the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Radio. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Tuesday morning. So glad to have you with us today. I'm Gabby Smith along with Damian Galato. My goodness. Good morning, Damian. How are you? Doing fine, man. It's hard. You woke up and felt that coolness. Did you? Well, you didn't step outside. You stayed no, in the studio. But Girl. it was a little windy. Just a oh, little bit. It Just is <laughs> beautiful. It was gorgeous. And uh, man, it's going to be another beautiful day. We'll get to the weather in a minute. But thanks for asking. I'm doing great. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes, I did check the t- temperature on my watch and it is 66. So that's quite yeah. exciting because it's a little bit different today. So, yeah. uh, But before we get started on today's show, Damien, if you don't mind opening us up in prayer. We will. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Today being the feast day of St. Vincent de Paul, we'll pray to him. St. Vincent, patron of all charitable associations and father of those who are in misery, Come to our assistance, attained from the Lord our God, help for the poor, relief for the infirm, consolation for the afflicted, protection for the abandoned, a spirit of generosity for the rich, grace of conversion for the sinners, zeal for our priest, peace for the church, tranquility and order for all nations, and salvation for all of them. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. St. Vincent de Paul, pray for us. Pray for us. We have a full show for you today, starting off with Father Ambrose Christie. He'll be joining us in about six minutes. He's with St. Michael's Abbey in Silverado, California. We've talked to many over at St. Michael's Abbey. Uh, they are ones to just break records for being the old, one of the oldest monasteries in the world. So we're going to actually talk about the ancient tradition of Michael Mass and the importance of St. Michael the Archangel, who we pray to constantly. So this will be a great interview with Father Ambrose. Ambrose. He's over in California. It's an early interview, but uh, looking forward to speaking with him soon. Kristen Van Uden joins us in 18 minutes. She's an author spokesperson for Sophia Institute Press, and today she's going to be talking about the book St. John and the Apocalypse. So this is going to be quite interesting. Uh, Looking forward to hearing about this from Kristen. In 35 minutes, Kelly Bro joins us. She's a president and co-founder of Redbird Ministries, and I'm so excited that we're talking to Kelly again. She's going to be discussing child loss grief support. There's an app for that, like everyone used to say back when their the app started popping up. Uh, but yeah, so Redbird Ministries does finally have an app and she'll give us details on how that can help families who are grieving and looking for that support. In 48 minutes, Lorraine Bennett joins us to talk about her book called The Little Way of Living with Less. 
learning to go with the little flower. So looking forward to this interview, Damien, and all the other ones as well. It's going to be a great show for you today, but you've kind of already teased the weather. Yeah. It's really nice outside. Plenty of sunshine, just like it has been, and it's going to continue for the entire week. So that's great. Winds are out of the north. That's helping. 10 miles an hour. Humidity, only 30%. That's nice as well. And temperature high today, 85. Low is going to be 59. And as I said, we'll continue this pattern for at least the next seven days. In and around the area, everyone's in the 60s except New Orleans, 70 degrees there. Update on Hurricane Ian. It continues to strengthen. Winds now at 125 miles an hour. And it's approaching uh, western Cuba. So um, we're keeping an eye on that. The wind spread, okay, 500 miles wide, this hurricane is. So it's going to create a lot more rain, I think, than wind damage uh, or water damage. So could be a Category 4 by tomorrow. We'll keep you abreast of that. But in the meantime, stick around. There's more on Wake Up. Today's gospel comes to us from Luke chapter 9. When the days for Jesus to be taken up were fulfilled, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his reception there, but they would not welcome him because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they journeyed to another village. Thank you, Father Chris Decker, for today's Gospel at 708 on Wake Up. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Collado. Our first guest is Father Ambrose Christie over at St. Michael's Abbey in Silverado, California. Good morning, Father Christie, for joining us today. Good morning, Gabby. It's good to have you with us, and thank you so much for waking up so early. Um, we're looking forward to this interview, the ancient tradition of Michael Mass. I hope I'm saying that right, and the importance of St. Michael the Archangel. Tell us a little bit about this tradition. Okay, absolutely. We, we usually call it Michaelmas, although Michaelmas works too. That's just, you know, of course, the yeah. Mass on the Feast of St. Michael. But just like Christmas is the Mass on the the Feast of, of Our Lord's Birth. So Michaelmas, Christmas, all of these are old English ways of uh, naming the Feasts of the Church. And uh, Michaelmas goes way back to the Middle Ages and before, you know, that uh, we've been celebrating St. Michael and the and the guardian of our, uh, the archangels at the end of September for many centuries. And so it's a time we can uh, thank them for their protection and then also have some traditional ways of celebrating that feast with beer and with, uh, you know, good cheer and with, it's kind of a harvest season sort of, sort of festival. So what day, is it a certain day or is it kind of a season? Kind of describe that. And, and what exactly goes on? Cause it sounds like it's just good cheer. Yes. Well, it is a certain day. It's September 29th. Uh, it, it's a commemoration of the dedication of a church outside of the city of Rome in honor of St. Michael. That church no longer exists, but we, we continue to celebrate St. Michael and the, and the archangels on the day that that ancient church was dedicated many centuries ago. So September 29th is the feast day. And in some periods, in some places, there was even a period of fasting, the St. Michael's Day, the Michaelmas fast, um, a little bit like a little Lent 
to get ready for the feast. Um, it was very common in the Christian past for people to fast uh, before the great feast days. So there was a, a special period of fasting. Now we celebrate this feast with, um, of course, the Holy Mass and the, the Liturgy of the Hours, everything in honor of the Archangels on September 29th. Uh, we have a particular uh, feature of that here in, at St. Michael's Abbey. Of course, he's our patron. We're, we're named for him uh, in our monastery. And uh, we built a new abbey church where on September 29th, at Vespers in the evening, the light comes through the west window across the whole church into the sanctuary and lights up the altar in the middle of the sanctuary mm. in a really wow. magnificent kind of uh, pyrotechnical, sort of liturgical pyrotechnics on September 29th. Michaelmas, so for those who are just joining us, Michaelmas, the Feast of St. Michael, Catholics have been celebrating this since at least the 5th century. Um, that's a long time. That's quite a tradition. Um, that's amazing. So uh, I've never heard of this before, and I'm kind of just shocked that I've never heard of this before because I, I love St. Michael, and I, we, we pray the St. Michael prayer all the time, especially at Mass. Um, why haven't people heard about this? Well, why I haven't heard about this until today. Well, you know, I think a lot of the traditional devotional parts of our holy religion have uh, not really translated into the modern world so easily. You know, we're, we're a very mm -hmm. secular and secularizing culture here in the West, and, and recuperating some of these beautiful ancient Catholic customs is one way that we can keep pushing back the tide of secularism. You know, if, if we make our mm -hmm. faith, our holy faith, not just about what happens for an hour in church on Sunday, but if it influences everything we do in our day and through the week and even marking seasons of the year with, uh, with the things of God, well then this, this mm -hmm. helps to Christianize our culture, which so badly needs to be Christianized. So we've lost some of these mm -hmm. customs, but we can get them back, Gabby. We can get them back. Oh, I love this. Okay, so where can we learn more about St. Michael's Abbey? Because such a... A wonderful tradition and so much history over at St. Michael's Abbey in California and to learn more about Michaelmas. Okay, well, uh, of course, we have a website like everybody does now, stmichaelsabbey.com. <laughs> and uh, if you look up, if you just Google or however else you want to search for, for St. Michael's Abbey in California, you will find us. We're the Norbertine Fathers, an ancient order in the church 900 years old. And uh, our monastery is thriving here. Our abbey is a really booming community, 100 members. We just had 12 young men join us. So there's a lot to offer wow. on our website, including podcasts and homilies and, and videos and all kinds of things to nourish your faith. So check us out, stmichaelsabbey.com. Awesome. I love the ancient tradition meets the modern world and, and meshes into talking about um, the beauty of what you guys do and the beauty of St. Michael's Abbey. Uh, Father Ambrose Christie, St. Michael's Abbey in Michaelmas, uh, that's what we've been talking about today. We have about a minute left. Before we let you go, may we ask for a priestly blessing from you? Oh, it'd be my honor. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, mother of the church and of St. Michael and all the holy archangels and angels of God, may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Father Ambrose, thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you, Gabby. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Yeah.
All right. Cool. That was really neat. I've never heard of that before. I love learning more about ancient Catholic traditions. Yeah. It's history. Especially it. about a, a popular saint like St. Michael. Uh, I know. The the fact that it's a a mass, just like Christmas time, as far as they're concerned. And, um, yeah, it's going to make us a little more aware of the importance uh, of St. Michael coming up on the 29th, for sure. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Definitely check that out. Unfortunately, uh, if you kind of took a look at our Facebook Live video stream, we're actually not streaming on Facebook. Facebook updated over the day yesterday and changed a lot of stuff. So we'll get that working for you as soon as we can. But thank you so much for your patience. You can actually check us out on our YouTube channel and also our website. Just search Catholic Community Radio on YouTube. The links are also on our Facebook page. I made a post about that. And I'll also link what the guests talked about under that post on Facebook today. Stay with us. Damien's going to talk to Kristen Van Uden from Sophia Institute Press when we come back from the break about St. John and the Apocalypse. It's 15 past the hour on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for September 27th. Today we celebrate St. Vincent de Paul. The deathbed confession of a dying servant opened Vincent's eyes to the crying spiritual needs of peasants in 17th century France. Until then, Vincent was a priest living a rather comfortable life. A wealthy friend helped Vincent draw together a group of missionaries who came to be known as the Congregation of the Mission or the Vincentians. Members took religious vows and devoted themselves particularly to the poor and to country people in general. Over time, Vincent established groups to bring spiritual and physical relief to the poor and the sick of each parish. Out of these groups grew the Daughters of Charity. He also invited the wealthy women of Paris to fund his missionary projects, founded several hospitals, collected relief funds for the victims of war, and even ransomed galley slaves from North Africa. At the same time, he gave retreats for members of the clergy and ignorance among them. He also established seminaries and was a pioneer in clerical training. The patron of charitable societies, including, of course, the St. Vincent de Paul Society, died in 1660 and was canonized in 17. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. And a happy Tuesday morning to you, 19 after the hour. Welcome back to Wake Up, Gabby Smith, Damian Collado. We are glad you are with us, and we are also glad that Kristen Van Newton is with us right now. She is the author and spokesperson for Sophia Institute Press to here to talk about a new book entitled St. John and the Apocalypse. Good morning, Kristen. How are you? Good morning. Thanks so much for having me back. Oh, glad to have you back. Uh This is a topic I'm not that familiar with. I'll be honest with you. I've always had a tough time, I think a lot of Catholics have, or Christians in general, with the Revelation, the book of Revelations and Scripture, and the Apocalypse itself. Get us started. Tell us a little bit about this book and and how it could maybe help us. (laughs) Sure. So, yeah, it's kind of been a theme for us at Sophia lately, publishing books about the Apocalypse. So I promise mm-hmm. we don't know anything that everyone else doesn't, but it's just uh, we've had at least two or three books in the past year that I've been representing about the apocalypse. And so we've had one that details the Antichrist himself, another called The Wrath of God that discusses literary interpretations of the end of the world, 
And then finally, this one, St. John and the Apocalypse, which is really, as I've heard, the gold standard for interpreting the book of the Apocalypse, otherwise known as the book of Revelation. So really getting back to scripture on interpreting the end of the world, putting to rest many different misconceptions and sort of uh, sensationalist interpretations of the apocalypse that have arisen just through media and popular culture, and discussing really in-depth all of the details about the prophecies written by St. John specifically, and how they have been interpreted by the Church of Magisterium. Yes, and now the book is written by Father C.C. Martindale, and he does a good job of interpreting things. In particular, share with us a little—everybody's always tied up with uh, numbers, you know what I'm saying, the 666 and the number 7. Share with us the importance and the meaning behind that, if you can, or at least Father Martindale's version. Yeah, so there's one— There, the 666 is something like the, the, the date and time of the apocalypse in that we're not going to know exactly what it means. So we're told that 666 obviously represents the mark of the beast mm-hmm. and that even St. John himself tells us that those who are sort of in the know will, will be able to determine when this comes about, what it is. And so uh, Father Martin, I can't remember exactly if he has a prediction about what 666 will signify, but he does explain the uh, the reasoning behind Hebrew numerology, because in Hebrew, every every letter coincides with a number, and it's a very complicated system, but it could be an interpretation based on that. Um, it could be adding up the letters of someone's name. So back in the early church, Nero was considered to be a candidate for Antichrist, and so people would actually add up the letters to his name and try to claim that they equaled 666, but obviously the world did not end at that point. (laughs) So we are still awaiting the Antichrist himself and awaiting his mark and what exactly that will be. We'll know that you'll need it to buy and sell, so to just partake in any commerce, and that also it will be a mark, a physical mark, on the forehead and on the right forearm. So this Hmm. is something that will be uh, difficult to miss when it actually does come about. And then the number seven, of course, appears throughout the book as well, just as it does throughout all of Scripture as one of the perfect numbers. So seven is is signified both in the Old and New Testaments and um, is an important, you know, we can think of numerous examples um, as an important holy number. So it does play a role in the end times as well, but representing... Uh, more the side of God and the side of good. Yeah, completeness. And the um, also uh, the final conference, you, you mentioned the Antichrist and, and uh, the Church, the battle that's supposed to take place. Um, share with us uh, Father Martindale's insight on, on what he maybe envisions uh, in regards to that, if, it's, if that's what he touches on. So, yes, the word battle is used to describe the... Um, some of the events in the end times. And before we get to the point of battle, there is this period of persecution first. And so he goes into the, the meaning, and uh, certain thinkers in the Church, so Cardinal Newman as an example, kind of have a theory that this persecution during the end times will not necessarily be over at first. It will be more of a subversion of the Church, so an infiltration or... Um, sort of persecution 
to slowly give up matters of doctrine and apostatize slowly before you know it, you have given up basically all of the faith. So this type of persecution of the true believers will take place before the actual overt battle, which, uh, um, as far as it's been interpreted, it will be a literal, a literal battle in the literal sense. Um, but obviously we'll have this major spiritual warfare component that will just make clear to us the reality of how we have been living, that each of, each of our days is a spiritual warfare, and, and is really this is the culmination of that. Mm-hmm. You know, so often you think of doom and gloom, I hate to say, because it's supposed to be the end of the world when it, when it comes, or the, the coming of Christ. Yeah. Uh, but really... I, I believe the, the hidden message, at least for me, the, the few times I've read uh, Revelations, is the fact that it's it's almost like keep your faith, remain true to God, and you're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And we are told somewhat frighteningly that even some of the elect, which means those who will be saved, will go to heaven, will be deceived by the Antichrist because he'll be that sneaky and that seductive. But the best antidote, the best way to prepare ourselves, whether we are living in the end times themselves or just to prepare for our personal judgment, is to just make sure that we are living a good Catholic life, staying close to the sacraments, praying, reading scripture, reading spiritual readings such as this. Um, we don't need to be obsessed with preparing ourselves, and that's that's one of the caveats that each of these books that we've published about the apocalypse comes with, is that, yes, we have a certain duty to inform ourselves about the signs of the times and all of that, but even our Lord warned against trying to, you know, war game and boil down an exact date, for example, or to, to let it be all-consuming, because ultimately knowledge isn't going to save us, it is mm-hmm. grace. Yes. So how is uh, Father Martindale's book set up if one is reading it? Does he cross-reference passages and then gives insight? He does. So it relies heavily on quotes, and uh, which makes sense as, as more of a textual analysis. And this is, he was one of the, basically, um, at a certain point, leading Jesuit scholars. So he has written quite a lot, and he's written in pamphlet form before, and so this one is a bit more in-depth than some of his other writings because it is such a major textual analysis. So he'll, he'll, he'll take a quote, but then he'll break it down for us. So a lot of the, a lot of times when I'm reading that, the book of Revelation, you know, it makes no sense, even with the footnotes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's kind of the service he provides in this book. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, if someone wants to pick up the book, where do they go, Kristen? It's available, as usual, on our website, sophiainstitute.com. Very good. SophiaInstitute.com. Kristen Van Uden, thank you so much for being with us and trying to help us better understand the apocalypse, to say the least. My pleasure. Thanks to St. John, of course. (laughs) And uh, you have a great week. Thank you. You as well. Okay. God bless. Well, Gabby, what, what about you? What is your take? You've been known to be a scholar of the Scripture. <laughs> you know, I learn every day. I really try. Um, you know, we don't know when Christ will come, so we just have to be prepared at all times and just really try to be really good Catholics and 
good people and just try to do what we're supposed to do. There are so many people out there, I think, that are making so much money on trying to decipher huh. the end of the world um, that and many religions as well. So I think that um, you just we just need to be careful and, and really kind of do what we're supposed to be doing. Look at scripture, look at church teaching. And like Kristen said, not obsess about it because we don't know when that time will come. We just have to be prepared. Exactly. Sort of like for a hurricane, right? You got to be prepared. You can't ignore it because it's coming and uh, you -hmm. just don't know when or how it's going to hit. The uh, other thing that's coming is drive time. Look at that segue coming up uh, in just a couple (laughs) of weeks. Yes, uh, drive time is going to be on Tuesday, October 11th, which is your birthday, Damien. So we're going to be having a little party. Actually, it's <laughs> October 9th. My, my birthday's October oh. 9th. You're the 10th. Oh. Then we're having drive time. Okay. Af- yeah, Thank after you we for both celebrate. <laughs> Correct. I know. So Tuesday, October 11th through Thursday, October 13th. And we're going to have three days of honor fundraising. Great guests. Every hour coffee club perks bonus. Go to our Facebook page, Twitter or YouTube. That's at Catholic Community Radio on Facebook and Instagram or Twitter at L.A. Catholic Radio. And take a look at those early coffee club perks so we're already starting that before drive time take a look at that but it's going to be a great time and it's these three days is to help keep catholic community radio on the air continue to bring catholic community to your phone to your car to your computer um, and so many other ways that we can continue to spread the gospel message so it's going to be a great time Exactly. And one of the benefits you receive if you join Coffee Club is that beautiful print by Jacob Zumo of Our Lady of Prawn Sucker. It is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it's it, the print alone is almost worth the whole membership all year for, for Coffee Club. Yeah. So look into that. You can go on ccradio.live to find out more and get a, a quick sign up if you'd like before drive time ever gets here. Coming up, though, Kelly Bro is right around the corner here on Wake Up. It is 35 past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning in to Wake Up. For all the information on our guest today, I usually post it underneath our Facebook Live video, but Facebook decided to not have its cup of coffee this morning. That's okay. So I did make a post on Facebook today and uh, all of the information on guests is actually in that comment section. If you are missing anything or want information on any guests today, you can message us on Facebook and we'll get that information to you. Kelly Bro joins us next. She is the president and co-founder with Redbird Ministries. And today we're going to talk about not only Redbird Ministries for those who haven't heard about it, but also the Child Loss Catholic Grieving Support app that I think can help so many people right now. Kelly, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for joining. It's great to have you with us. And for those who have not heard of Redbird Ministries, tell us a little bit about what you do and and just the the support that this has brought to so many couples uh, throughout the years. Yes, so um, Redbird was first founded in 2018 after a decade of what my husband and I call darkness. Um, we experienced two, uh, two afterbirth losses and two in utero losses um, from 2005 mm-hmm. and then 
most recently, our last loss was this past May. Um, and the church always was so great, gracious and just there with us during the, that week of the funeral. But then after, we didn't have any support. And so we, um, we had to make sense of death and dying and suffering um, outside of the church, which the church has been making sense of suffering for over 2,000 years. And so the Lord really put on my husband and I's heart at different times um, in the year 2017 and 2018 to begin a ministry that's surrounded by the sacraments and uh, the church and the teachings of the church and to really be on a journey with Christ in our suffering and to help people um, who are on that same journey to find healing and hope. I love this because we actually know um, some people that have actually benefited from Redbird Ministries. This is something I think that is so needed and needs to be talked about. Uh, talk about when a couple comes to you, um, what are the steps taken? What do they go through when they speak to you guys? So depending in, uh, in your diocese, if you have in-person support or um, or if the chapter has not been established yet, depends on your first steps. Um, now that we have our app, it's a great place for anyone to plug into to start receiving support. On the app, you'll find we have spiritual direction sessions that you can sign up for. One of our board members, mm-hmm. she's a certified spiritual director and a mom of a boss. Um, we also have comfort calls that we can do one-on-one with our families to, to really just to see what type of support that they need and direct them to the right place. Because you know, sometimes when families come into us, you know, they have other children who are grieving as well as themselves. And so we try to address the entire family and see what support that they need. We also have um, prayer resources. Our app is connected to the USCCB, so you could pray with us every day. We have um, seminars and retreats that we do, and we just try to surround ourselves by information on grief as well as learn about our faith and and learn about suffering just in general. Um, my idea of suffering was very it was very convoluted by the secular world. I I really thought that like God because he's you know he's all knowing. Um, that he could have stopped my children's death. And I really thought that he willed my children to die. And whenever I started to learn about my faith and about actual will and, and what God allows and to, to know God as mercy and not um, just justice as I've, that was what my relation, mm. my relationship was of God. Um, and to start growing in my faith that I was able to carry my cross, uh, whereas before I wasn't. And so we try to help our families um, to learn about the faith um, because it does make a difference in the way that we perceive the crosses that come into our lives and to help one another. Like Jesus allowed um, Simeon and Veronica when he was carrying his own cross to, to, he invited and allowed them to be a part of that, um, of that suffering. And so the ministry as a whole has this virtual component, which is the app. But when chapters develop, and we do have some in, in Louisiana, we have a chapter in Homa Thibodeau in the Diocese of Lafayette where I live, um, La, um, the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And then we serve really the entire state of Louisiana locally from where we are. People, um, they travel. They even travel from out of state 
um, to see us because there really isn't anything like this um, in the church when we think of a holistic um, national apostolate. And that's kind of what we're trying to do is to try to be that touch point for the church that when someone's child dies, whether in the womb or 40 years old um, or any age in between, that they have a safe place where they can take their grief and that there's mm-hmm. people there that are willing to meet them in their suffering and walk with them in their hurt. Okay, I love when there's an app for something because it makes it so much easier to get the information that you need. And this app is free. And it was, uh, you could download it as of September 5th, which was the feast day of St. Teresa of Calcutta. How appropriate. Um, A woman so merciful and loving and always there for people uh, and the most vulnerable as well. Uh, Talk about, so what do we search when we go to our app store or Google Play to get the app? Yeah, if you just look up Redbird Ministries, you'll find us on the app store. Wow. And this was also made possible by the OSV Innovation Challenge, which is how we found out about Redbird Ministries. Can I talk about that, Kelly, and how that has brought about this just, um, you know, spotlight on you guys? And it's been really great since we've been speaking with you and knowing about you guys. Yeah, so uh, we entered the um, the 2021 OSD Innovation Challenge, and we made it all the way to the finals and was chosen as one of the three winners. And OSD just validated and brought so much light to our organization. We live in a very small town in Brobridge, uh, Louisiana. We have about 12,000 people. So the church as a whole did not really know about us and what we were trying to do. And, you know, our pastor has grown so much just in the aspect of not just serving locally, but teaching others in their diocese and their parishes how to do the work that we're doing. We we laid down a roadmap for leaders to be able to implement support in their communities. And that's our primary focus right now because we know we can support more people if we duplicate and multiply ourselves like Jesus sent us out and and multiply mm-hmm. the whole church. So it's, it's, our focus is right now to be able to do that while also ministering um, to those families who are experiencing uh, loss in their communities as well. Thank you so much for doing what you do. Uh, Redbird, what, what is the meaning of the word Redbird Ministries? Yeah, so one of our friends, um, she's a local mu- musician. Her name is Laura Huval. Her little group, uh, Sweet Cecilia, they um, wrote a song called Redbird Flies, and um, like the melody of it is, I'll think of you when the red bird flies. But the cardinal is always mm. viewed by most people as um, just a symbol or a sign of someone who's experienced a loss, someone who's died. And so we um, we wanted to shine light on the ministry as this it's for it's for the families who are who are grieving, um, mm. and we wanted that symbol to be recognized and noticeable. When someone sees a red bird, they automatically assume that it's grief. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we wanted that to be like a, just something that they could recognize easily and know it's for them. Yeah. Kelly Bro, president and co-founder with Redbird Ministries. Where can we go to find out more information about you and Redbird Ministries? 
Yeah, so www.redbird.love or download the app. Both places are great to find us and to connect with us and to get support. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us again. It's always a joy speaking with you. Thank you so much, Kat. All right. Lorraine Bennett joins us when we come back from the break. It is 45 past the hour on Wake Up. It's 48 after the hour. Welcome back to Wake Up. Uh, Time to get up, get going, get the coffee flowing. And right now, Lorraine Bennett is with us. She has a master's degree in philosophy and is the editor and communications manager of the National Council of Catholic Women and an author of a number of books, in particular, the one we're going to chat about this morning, entitled The Little Way of Living with Less, Learning to Let Go with the Little Flower. Good morning, Lorraine. Oh, good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. I do have to make a slight correction to the bio. I'm no longer, I retired from the (laughs) communications job at National Council of Catholic Women. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry about that. I I did a little research. And how long ago did you retire? Oh, about a year at least. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Sophia Press or someone needs to update your bio there then. Okay, but I know you also also are involved in your church parish in a lot of different ways. We won't get into that so much this morning, but thank you for being with us. Let's talk about uh, St. Therese because she is a beautiful saint to say the least, but let's focus on your book. How does your book differ from the many other books that are out there about her? Yeah, well, that is a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, Yeah, my book is actually focusing a little bit on the somewhat popular trends, I would say, today of minimalism and decluttering and downsizing and small living and all that sort of thing through my own personal experience, but guided by the wisdom of St. Therese and her little way. So, you know, these trends are very popular today, but I wanted to take a look at what were the, the virtues underlying those trends or the spiritual realities, you know, uh, things such as like detachment and trust and simplicity and poverty of spirit. And all these virtues are exemplified in spades, of course, you know, by the little flower herself. So that's why I wanted to kind of have her guide this uh, discussion. Yeah, so share with us a little bit about uh, how her simple life really we can use. It's a perfect example of how we could put it into practice in our everyday life. Yes, so she was, with her little way, she was um, always on the lookout for any opportunity to practice charity in whatever little tiny way she could do because she knew that whatever, um, that every every small act of of love that she would offer to god would be you know uh would would bear fruit and also she practiced poverty of spirit um in in to she said one of her the quotes that she said was um the only good thing is to love god with all one's heart and to t- and to stay poor in spirit and she learned this at a very young age like she was actually born in 1873 um, and lived in a, a very comfortable life when she was younger. They were upper middle class, and, um, and so she was 
she saw the beauty of the world and she saw the um, attraction of material things, but she chose not to um, dwell in that and to instead she entered uh, Carmel, the convent at age 15, and then she died at the age of 24 of tuberculosis. Um, and, and the thing that's so interesting about her is that uh, as soon as they published her uh, obituary, actually, which was the story of a soul, her autobiography, it just completely went viral, as we would say today. But it went all over the world, and miracles started happening, and everybody started writing to the Pope saying, make her a saint. <laughs> and uh, so it's, like, fascinating that, that she ha- had this humble, humble life and, you know, exemplifying her little way, and yet it just... Uh, spread all over the world uh, mm-hmm. with like wildfire. <laughs> right. And even though she came uh, from a, a very good uh, family, uh, she was faced mm-hmm. with a lot of depression and anxiety. Uh, her mom passed right. away for, at the age of four, if I remember correctly. Right. And uh, didn't, yeah. she, didn't she have some siblings who, who may have passed away as well? And as you said, she fought tuberculosis as, as an illness and died at a young age. But but right. that humility and, and the fact that she was able to detach herself from the world and, and focus on God all along the way. That, that's a, a good story. How do you express that in the book? Yeah, well, the book itself, um, The Little Way of Living with Less, Learning to Let Go with a Little Flower, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of L's in there. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually um, began, it was sort of inspired by um, my husband and I, you know, we, it was kind of our uh, process of, of downsizing. So we had, you know, for 20 years, we had raised our family in one of those typical suburban McMansions, you know, far, far away from work, an hour and a half commute each way. And uh, when we were empty nesters, uh, as our children had moved out, um, my husband says to me, he goes, you know, Lorraine, we only live in 10% of this house. You know, what are we doing with this big house? And yet we have to spend a lot of money and a lot of time repairing it and fixing the leaks and cleaning it and so on. So we embarked on this process of downsizing and selling all our stuff and donating stuff and <laughs> just getting rid of things. And so it was like this process, which is actually you know, very challenging. And a lot of people today are like, well, how do you get even get started on it? But it was so challenging that that's why I wanted to turn to the little flower and ask, you know, kind of seek her wisdom on how I, we could live with less, you know, and how we should detach from our things and not be so attached to material things and always consuming more and more and more and that, that sort of thing. So that's why I wanted to look to the little flower. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and you know, I I grew up, in, I don't know why, but I was a hoarder as a kid. I didn't want to let go of anything. And it wasn't yeah. until my elder years that I realized, you know what, none of that makes a difference. It's it's just exactly. material things. And, and getting that relationship with God is the most important thing. And so... Uh, it's it's a shame we have to learn that in our um, elder years, but we do, right. uh, hopefully, before our, yeah. our life comes to an end. We only have a minute, yeah. but I want to ask you, uh, the feast day of St. Therese is Saturday. What are you doing in particular yeah. for that? Well, I hope I'm going, I'm planning on going to Mass <laughs> to, and, and to pray to complete this novena to the little flower and um, and, and be very grateful to her for her inspiration and her guidance 
and uh, that's that's the the plan I have so far. Well, good. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the same thing. I'm saying the novena as well. So uh, God bless you. Again, the new book uh, by Lorraine Bennett, The Little Way of Living with Less. That's the key part. Learning to let go with the little flower. Where can they get the book, Lorraine? Oh, they can find it at sophiainstitute.com. Well, God bless you. And uh, St. Therese, pray for us. Pray for us. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks for being with us on Wake Up. Gabby, are you uh, are you a fan of uh, Saint Therese? I know we all have favorite saints. She was my confirmation saint, actually. So yes, I'm a big fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love her. Well, I'm glad I asked. Okay, you picked a good one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Saint Vincent de Paul. He's a good saint, too, and we're going to wrap up and ask uh, God, as well as St. Vinny, to uh, intercede for us. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Tender God, refuge of the poor, you filled St. Vincent de Paul with the strength of the apostles to work for the salvation of the poor and the instruction of the clergy. May we, who follow the example of his life, be driven by unceasing charity to continue the mission of your Son in the world. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Dina Dow of the Diocese of Baton Rouge will be joining me along with Julia Maloney to talk about her book, Way of Happiness. Peter Finney with the Clarion Herald will give us an update of what you'll find in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Allison Millette with Woman's New Life Clinic. She has an update. And Tony Ryan joins us with his book, The Shadow of His Wings. Have a wonderful Tuesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Radio.